And we're back. Welcome back to another Practice Makes Perfect podcast. It's your host here, Monster Deepfakes, for you guys another episode this week. We got a lot in store for you guys, as you can see from the title. Big firings happening across phase. They seem to be the, the topic of choice for us over the last year, but so much more as there are other succeeding esports emerging in the space right now. We're talking about Carmine Corp. We'll give you guys all the juice on that. Optic doing big things. And just so much more happening as the gaming sphere is under attack by one of the biggest engines the space has ever seen. And that's Unity. And we're going to talk so much about why that is a terrible thing for the entire space. Because one of our favorite games is basically uh, up on the line, which is Rust. So with Connor and John here joining us today as two of the Rust gods, we're going to definitely talk a lot of crap about Unity and why they're making such a grave error here. But with that, let's go ahead and kick things off. We have John on the production today, mixing all the sounds, giving us this awesome episode. What's up, John? Yeah, what's up, everybody? How you knowing? And uh, we got, we got of course, Connor returning here this week. He decided to put down football for a little bit, but it would not surprise me if he's got the red zone open on the side monitor. So if he sounds semi-distracted, we know exactly why. Connor, what's up, bro? You know me too well. Hey, we're here, though, you know, recording on Football Sunday. It's all right. I'll I'll come back this week, you know, just make my monthly appearance as the guys like this clown me for. So we're here. We pushed it. We pushed it back later recording. So it would clear. Yeah, we did. We did. Games for Connor because we love him. We're trying to uh, give us that runway. But uh, yeah, guys, thank you all, of course, for listening in, tuning in with us, vibing with us. Um, we have some structural changes coming to the podcast. And I think John says he's going to put a little more effort is just trying to get some guest appearances. If you out there want to hear from someone specific, whether in the Fortnite space outside of it, um, industry professionals, anything you want to, as far as feedback goes, hit us on Twitter, um, John W. Key Rush at John W. Rush uh, out there on, on Twitter. And then, of course, at Monster Deface, feel free to holler at me. Let me know what you guys want to see, who you might want to see, and we'll see what we could do for you. But let's start jumping into the topics today. Um, we're going to start with what I would say is the biggest headline to hit this entire gaming space this week the continued crash and fall. And it's a it's such a hard landing for the FaZe clan right now as FaZe uh out of the blue has fired literally in the headlines, fired CEO. Is it Trink Lee? <laughs> the ex FaZe clan CEO essentially has been um terminated from the organization for not really a, a clear reason why. It just seems like I think they're fed up with all the negative press the bad reviews and the direction the org has been going in ever since he has taken upon the high seat over at phase. John, give me a little bit more of the rundown. Obviously this has been the talk for phase right now as they're struggling. And once again, we see folks like phase rain, right? The insiders coming out, talking smack and adding more fuels to this fire. Yeah. You know, we've been covering phase a lot, not because we got anything um, against them, but they are just a, they are huge. They're a huge entity in gaming and, and kind of represent, um, it, it, or did the best in what's possible in esports, and so watching it go um, from being evaluated at uh, nearly a billion dollars, uh, the stock has plummeted since mid-September of last year, ninety-nine percent. And Lee Trink, wow, um, was quietly fired in just a release. They didn't make a big deal out of it. Um, and um, sometimes you know leadership are the first to go in these financial shakeups because it at least tells the shareholders and uh, the fans, hey, we're trying to do something here. Uh, and there's a couple of different articles here, uh, that are kind of detailing, uh, what happened. There's even some, some, some subtle statements here from the, the, the former CEO himself 
um, that are kind of speaking to uh, how they were essentially setting money on fire. And not only that, I mean, from what I saw, right, and this is what I believe were screenshots taken from Phase Rain, he said that it's almost like the snake cutting off a snake's head. Um, because as one, uh, you know, one snake falls, another one rises to take its place. Because what he said is that the same people that were advocating against uh, the previous CEO, there's the, now that same person just did all that to dethrone him and then take the seat. And we have yet to really figure out who this new CEO is. But Phase Rain has basically already set more reputational damages and another fire ablaze before this new person even takes the seat. Um, Connor, I'm not sure if you saw those same posts from Rain, but yeah, he is literally setting the next person up for failure before they even get into position. I, I don't know how they allow him to continue to talk this way without issuing some kind of lawsuit against him. At this point, it's just pure defamation against the entire brand. And I don't think anyone is willing to argue against that. Yeah, I mean, as soon as the news broke out that he was that the CEO was released, he replied, "Doesn't even matter. Trust me." So he he does he is not he is not happy. He's he still was not happy until I believe they are off the stock market and they have ownership again, which I don't know if will ever happen. I don't think ever will happen. But yeah, he's he's not happy. He's firing shots all over Twitter and has been since he's kind of came back to do all this. Yeah, I mean they they. They haven't gotten to uh, really nail down any hard data from Lee Trink, but when you read back some of the things he said over the years, uh, really the last couple of months, it, it's all kind of all over the place, you know, and, but he was trying to keep a positive uh, space. The, the crazy thing is, is that uh, they employ 112 people uh, currently, and, but yet one of the primary um, uh, knocks against uh, their uh, structure is overpay which is just interesting to me. It's just, it's, it's so hard to solve some of these financial messes because you got to fire some people. But in this economy, these are not like workers in a factory behind the scenes. These are content creators or people supporting the content creators, visible, notable uh, faces. And, you know, I don't feel like we live in an economy where you give people pay cuts. I, it, man, it's complicated. I wouldn't know how to solve it. Yeah, and they're, they are actually the, one of the most toughest decision, uh, situations to be in because we already saw them do like a 20% or 30% dial back on employees. A lot of friends of ours that we knew that we worked closely with on the event coordination side, the production side, the advertising side, they were let, for, uh, let go first, right? As part of the first and earlier waves of folks to be fired, which to me was very interesting because as far as my knowledge goes, we were working together to make money. And at least we were able from our end again, see some of the profits we were uh, able to bring to the table and help move the needle in at least a profitable direction um, as far as generating revenue goes. Pro players don't necessarily generate revenue unless you're winning tournaments and you have some kind of agreement in place or if they are so huge to the, to the fact or to the size that sponsors come in and then we saw like what happened way in the past with the tfue uh the tfue deals where they take a huge percentage almost acting as a pseudo agency to negotiate the agreements and contracts um either which way clearly they leaned more so towards the creator side um and they've actually picked up more creators which has continued to open up this pandora's box of conversation around you guys are failing as an org. Your stock is doing terrible. You just fired your CEO, but you are hiring 
or, or recruiting more professional players. Uh, big, big red flags, big question marks are in the space right now. And like we said, we don't even know who's taking a seat next, but FaZe Rain has continued to clap and fire shots. And this is not the same for all esports orgs in the space, right, John? We have other orgs thriving right now while we are watching NA's most prominent literally burn before our eyes. Yeah, final quote from Lee Trink uh, that I think kind of summarizes maybe his philosophy. Uh, he was famously, he's famously quoted in the new Bloomberg article about this, so Bloomberg being a huge financial uh, piece. He says, we weren't throwing money away. We were creating a mythology. And man, that is inspiring as crap to think about. But dude, that sounds like somebody. <laughs> that sounds scary, bro. Uh, you yeah. got to make money, bro. That's what you got to yeah, do. Bef before we move on real quick, there were articles coming out. And me and Monster were at said thing that the article's coming out for. At TwitchCon last year, they threw a party uh, on one of the nights. And they had Travis Scott perform. And there were numbers being thrown out there in articles. They paid like, they threw like $2 million to have that party at TwitchCon. Which doesn't seem like the most financial uh, responsible thing to do when I didn't think I saw a single camera recording any content there or anything. So, yeah, we we were quite literally there. Uh, I was able to jump around the mosh pit. If you date back to however many episodes that were ago, um, I believe something around the episode 130s to 50s or so, you'll find us visiting TwitchCon. Go back in time, go check out that last TwitchCon um, episode that we filmed because MoonPay put on. A huge party alongside FaZe Clan. Millions of dollars were spent to get Travis Scott. He participated in like five hooks of some of his popular songs and then skedaddled on out of there after appearing late. So really also just shows you like, did they even get the value for the booking of Travis Scott or what what, what that even costed outside of the open tab bill for the entire night and renting out the club? Yeah, they they a uh, couple creators from FaZe. Uh, we're referring on the timeline uh, to Lee Trink as midlife crisis man. And when you look at him, he kind of got that vibe, the slick back hair, no disrespect to Mr. Trink there, but they were like, yeah, your midlife crisis was our company. See you later. So hopefully this can be um, some, <laughs> some better days for FaZe as they try to right the ship uh, and, um, and really uh, get on track. We hope nothing for the best of them. Of course, if you missed our last episode, um, we, uh, there are small rumblings that there might be a merger, a buyout, something like that happening with FaZe, right. where some kind of legacy media company or large professional sports conglomerate buys the brand and is able to uh, infuse them with the necessary infrastructure to be profitable again. Man, there were days where I really loved the brand. Let's bring it back. But all the way on the other side of the ocean, a uh, blue storm has risen uh, in many esports uh, uh, eyes, which is Carmine Corp. This is a French esports org. Uh, that recently made a lot of noise this week uh, that uh, kind of showed some of us Americans what it seems like the French already knew and that there are such a thing as profitable esports orgs to this day. And just a scope out for a second, for those of you guys that are mega Fortnite fans, you might remember Team Solari. The again, one of the first organizations to ever really show us that viewing parties, investing in the French community and your French players was worth your dollar um they did it right they built something big they made their own money and now we see again another budding or not even budding at this point uh, uh, a formidable force has arrived in the carmine corp as they have just uh recently put on their own event selling out 20 was it twenty eight thousand seats yep. worth of tickets yeah, yep, a, it was. Yeah, it's a very storied esports org. Uh, League of Legends is one of their primary titles. 
And to just put it in perspective, they sold 28,000 tickets at their, at their event, and their League of Legends team is not technically bought in in the franchise yet. And the last time that the uh, European League of Legends, the LEC, um, had a proper Riot Games run event, it was the LEC Finals. They sold 14,000 tickets. So Carmine Court, whatever they're doing is working because they doubled the ticket sales of what I would have, what I would normally consider the best in the business right now in terms of in-person esports events. I had no idea who these guys were until three days ago. Yeah, and they also had over 130 some thousand odd people watching like on the streams. And I think the coolest part is just to open it up a bit is they so the event they ran was they they had five different esports, all of their teams in an arena, and then they flew out five other competitive teams to face them in all of these different games. So they had that many people for all their teams, all their games, and so cool. So, so cool. It, it's a very smart thing to do from an esports org perspective. If you're going to put on an event, right? What they managed to do was not only put on a huge event forward-facing for their professional players to compete against some of the other best in the world, but like Connor mentioned, they, you know, they brought in the TSMs and the Team Liquids and all the other greatest teams of each of those respective titles so that their fans can watch what we would think of as like dream matchups, right? Like there's times where we look at um, a game or a title or that matchup and you're like, yeah, this is that once in a year thing that we want to all watch. And instead they kind of, uh, uh, forced that to happen by hold, hosting their own event. And clearly the sales showed off because the fans pulled up in, in what would be a record fashion here. And I do think it's very, very interesting. Like you mentioned, they're not even bought into the league. We've already seen Optic, someone that we're going to talk about later and their successes that are kicking in. But we've seen people like Optic. We've seen uh, folks like uh, Hunter Thieves in the Call of Duty spaces talk down upon these franchises. How like, bro, we pay these you know, $20 million, $30 million buy-ins, and then we can't even make that back. So look at Carmine Corp not even investing in those spaces, but instead doubling down on their own brand and showing that they could be successful outside of this uh, failing ecosystem, if you will, this inflated, overpriced kind of publisher system that we've seen happen. Yeah. I, I think it's uh, uh, very, very telling. No, I think they're making really good moves. Back in October of uh, last year, so last fall, um, there was kind of a pinnacle moment where um a a uh an org shulk 04 had a spot um open in the lec and the the kind of the cash down you need is about 40 million dollars in capital to get in an lec spot crazy carmine didn't have it and so the only option they had was to trade in stock and share or shares in their company it's a privately traded company to our knowledge the, you know they don't have any huge cash investors that we that we know of um and uh they elected to not open go down that road which I think, think about that, that's a year ago. Now we're sitting here a year later in the fruits of their decision of where they held on and did exactly what Monster said. Where they didn't give in the pressure to like kind of just go with popularity. They said, what else can we do with $40 million? What else can we do with $20 million? And so many companies, I think, trade entire swaths of their future um, and get in debt uh, for something that's not even guaranteed to be profitable. And look at that. So selling out arenas is not the only thing that they're doing right now. Now they've partnered with a, what seems to be a very... Uh, promising endeavor as they have now been probably exclusively deciding that they're going to uh, create this new system with less arenas. And I don't know um, too much about the dealings because there's not much shared, but they're basically going to be exclusively building events to a 3000, uh, 3000 capacity new arena 
where they're going to be building the future legacies and this whole entire what looks to be football slash soccer subscription model uh, for their fans where they're host 25 plus tournaments throughout the year. I'm pretty sure if they do the soccer um, infrastructure, they'll make it so that if you are a paying subscriber for the year, you can attend up to let's call it 10 or 15 of those events throughout the year, um, kind of raising exclusivity, allowing you to plan around it um, almost becomes like this, this, vacation buy-in right or this weekend trip buy-in stuff it works really really well in the again the european football soccer um space and now they're trying to adopt that into their esports uh, infrastructure and i think it's going to work well because they're a european uh, they have a huge european fan base right obviously uh the the french being the biggest of it but there's potential here because now they have this new arena like we said that is being built and they're going to use it for the sole purpose of fueling this subscription model that they're trying to bring to the space. A very different take on generating their own cash flow, not merchandise, but like truly event-based service. Yeah, and, and I don't, I don't see how this fails though. They like the 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 fan base that they have and like the support they've seen. I, I don't, I don't, I personally don't see how this could go wrong. Um, unless, unless, I mean, I guess if they start dumping a boatload of money into it, it's like yada, yada, but the fan base they have and shown in the last few events they've hosted is, is crazy. Yeah. They're being yeah affectionately known as the blue wall. So optic, you might have another thing coming for you. The coolest part about this, uh, and, and honestly, the most stable part about this arena that's being worked on is it was an event space that, um, is being built by a uh, company called the Grand. I'm gonna try to do a French accent. Grand Paris Sud, uh, which is um, like <laughs> a, a big real estate conglomerate in the metropolitan area um, there in France, and they have um, on record there uh, the president of that company, Michael Bizon, talking about how excited they are. So this is non-esports related people to partner with and invest with an esports organization because they want to align with our society and align with our youth. And so I think a key success here is they're not just putting their own necks out there they have made real world relationships and helped sold the future of esports um to to people that aren't just insiders and i think that is so key well that that is the cool part right they're not building this arena this is going to get built with with or without them but the fact that they've managed to now put that partnership in place and they clearly have the numbers to show that they can sell out um i i hope that they had a uh, a extremely favorable deal struck their way where they get to generate big sums of revenue and and see on the you know again the full profit side of of what's to come uh with this hopefully great system uh you know subscription model system that they're trying to put in place uh because the the potential is absolutely there so we're phases fa uh failing in all regards uh, in today's current time i mean carmine Car corp is showing it that it can absolutely be done um and just talking about other teams kind of exiting and entering two spaces a uh, couple quick hits here nrg actually exited out of apex legends that came with a huge uh, conversation opener uh you know again we just continues to see these uh, big threads start to happen where like oh esports is failing here's why you know, look, another team falls from this space. Uh, but while that conversation opens, then you have folks from Luminosity Gaming jumping on and saying, well, hey, look, well, we're investing in Apex. You know, we're, we're not leaving. We want to stay here. So there, it's kind of a wishy-washy, I, I say, territory right now between different orgs. Some orgs are bullish. Some aren't. It's almost literally like the stock market where some people think we're moving in the right direction and others are like, nah, bro, recession is here. It's all doom and gloom. So 
esports is in a weird spot but hey another w comes uh, towards the ways of optic gaming as they partner up with big league chew big league chew been around since we were kids uh bubblegum basically uh, all around the baseball community kind of vibe it's very cool you have optics hex face in cartoon mode on the bag dude um all for optics so pretty sick stuff yeah with their logo on it with him wearing a chain I think it's a W. I, I, this makes me... I haven't bought Big League Chew since I was third grade, but Connor... I forgot I, it existed. I would buy this. You know, I would do this. Yeah, I remember buying that, playing baseball, thinking you're thinking you're the stuff out there in, in the field, blowing giant bubbles with it. Uh, the flavor went away in like two seconds, but you still... You, <laughs> had, you had enough to make those big bubbles. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, maybe I'll buy a pack just to support the old boy Hex, because I yeah. think he, he does cool stuff. So. Well, I think the same thing uh, with the supply... Uh, happen the flavor is out of here because it looks like it's sold out even when you go to optics website right now which maybe this is just us helping them out um but it says 404 page not found um so i don't know i guess i I guess we're not getting any i don't know if that's because the gum is sold out but at shop.opticgaming.com uh you can't you can't even find the product but it might be because it's it's on the way out um but either way that that's a great thing i remember when um let me let me pay some homage to the esports heroes i remember when straight ripping uh one of the original founding halo 3 orgs signed a deal with dr pepper and and dr peppers are in walmarts around the country they had the esports uh uh their org on a dr pepper bottle and you could pick it up it had an mlg logo and you'd get prizes and to walk into walmart back in 2008 and see the thing that everyone made fun of me for right there in mainstay Boy, that was some good times. So I think my mom's got some of my, those bottles somewhere at, at her house. But man, when I think when esports partners with traditional brands like that, it's so powerful. It's so cool. And we've seen like cool activations like that in the past. Just recently, one of my new favorite games, Dark and Darker, uh, they partnered with Madrina's Coffee, a super small coffee company in the gaming space. But I didn't realize they created this Founders Pack. And if you bought the a, a Founders Edition box of coffee that they were selling, they actually gave a very unique uh, emoticon that's only accessible in the game now if you bought during that limited time and window, which they did not promote. They were just like, hey, if you support us, pick this up. And then in return, they kind of gave this little, you know, again, this little secret token for those of you guys that uh, ended up buying into it. So I'm kind of bummed because I didn't buy the coffee. And then I was looking at uh, someone's YouTube video and they played basically the emote of them being able to stir a, a cup of coffee at the table before you queue up into game super cool stuff but very cool it, it just shows that like gaming and uh beverages food spaces etc they definitely go hand in hand there's a there's a synergy there and we're in the early times right of of esports and and this space trying to, trying get, to legs, get legs but it's very clear that if we can get over that hump and get to these advertising um conversations on the other side with the big big blue chip brands that are around I think there is going to be a profitable future for esports. Yeah. I speaking think- of dark and darker, if you have not subscribed to Monster yet, he's putting oh, out dark and darker content. So, a little plug yeah. for the guy, but he's been putting out content. Hey, if you're for some reason not subscribed, go do it. And you like the game, banger content. He's he's so a fun. secret MMO lord. He did this when New World came out, when, <laughs> when World of Warcraft uh, Classic came out, and uh, yeah, I'm looking at the videos right now. Really, really cool. Some guides to get started too if you are a new uh player uh check it out i haven't gotten to play it yet uh but i've been watching a lot of content and it looks really fun if you watch my shorts john i think uh you'll you'll get a crap ton of laughs out of it a lot of it is just ridiculous content and again doing stuff for science um won't won't bleed too much into it if you're a fan of the game 
yes, you will love the content. If you've never heard of it, you would still find it so interesting because the game is wild. Pick it up, try it out, or at the very least, check out the videos. Trust me, you are going to be in for a treat. Um, but let's get a couple more hits here. Uh, John, you put down World Series coming up here for a very uh, fun game title called Warzone. Um, explain to me first, how is the health of Warzone? I thought for some reason we wouldn't really see any gaming news coming out of Warzone. Side. I thought they were done, but it seems like they're doing something uh, or cooking something big up their sleeves. Yeah, so a lot, a lot happened in there when the last Modern Warfare 2, the latest release came out. They said it was going to be a multi-year uh, game, killing the every year COD cycle, showing fans that they're investing full tilt into this ecosystem. Unfortunately, uh, well, I guess, or fortunately in the end, depending on how you see it, the fans' reception of the game was so poor that they have announced that they are they're coming out with another annual uh, uh, <laughs> Call of Duty. So Modern Warfare 3 is coming out November 3rd. And kind of in that same vein, they've been throwing a lot at the wall. You got to remember, this is Blizzard Activision. Um, and now who owns Blizzard Activision? Microsoft. And so these guys, they can't fail. They're too big to fail. So they've been throwing a lot of money in it. And they tried their first ever Warzone 2 land. Flew people out to London. Guys, it looked like it was very well done. I'm seeing, I don't know what you guys have been hearing on the prod side, but on everything I've heard is it was there was not a lot of crashes. It was very good. Uh, there was six rounds and a solo YOLO match, and they were giving a, they gave away a $1.2 million. I thought it was really well done. The, the only knock that I heard from eSports fanatics was that they, uh, that it was too short. But to me, I go, you'd, I'd, you'd rather leave people wanting more, and I think that's what the World Series of Warzone did this weekend. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch it because I woke up, saw all the tweets, and it was already over. <laughs> but uh, the man Goge and Spider Tiff, uh, worked with them before on multiple broadcasts, great casters. They were out there. I saw a bunch of tweets from them. And the team that won, I'm going to give them a shout-out real quick, Shifty, Biffle, and Sage. Uh, the Warzone events I have done in the past, they are always at the top of the leaderboard in those events. And I saw tweets from people like Fallout saying Biffle might be the best, one of the best COD players. And he was putting him on the level of like Scumpy and all the other ones, like just overall COD wise, saying this kid is the future. He's only 20 years old, just won that event. And they're over here calling this guy, he's going to be the future of like Battle Royale, Call of Duty. So, I mean, it, I mean, was, it was, it was it, a dominant win. They were, they were ahead coming into game four. They were already at a margin where it was like they could have Impossible slept. to lose. Yeah, they yeah. could have slept. And yet in game six, the final game, they still got the Vicroy, the first place. And so for them, that, that doesn't always happen, as we know, in, in, in Battle Royales, where sometimes you get the first place, you know, by points, and you got sixth place in the last zone of the... But for them to win first place while winning first place in that moment, just even capturing um, just the joy of esports and seeing those three young guys, too, just walk out there. And I mean, you're talking, they were up against the 150 best uh, uh, Warzone players, people like Z Laner, people like Swag, uh, pe uh, people that are known. Optic had people out there. Phase had people out there. And these three young guys, what I loved about it is they weren't even wearing jerseys. They were just wearing shirts. And I kind of liked that. I kind of <laughs> liked that it was like these, these, these sweaty guys. So Biffle, Sage, and Shifty uh, crushed uh, the, the, the team's portion of that. It kind of makes me wonder, like, what would have happened if Warzone preemptively, like, basically pre-fired this land sooner in the year so folks can actually take the game seriously, understand that there's a future here for them, and then, you know, be more prepared for this kind of opportunity? Because it seems to me like the reason a Z laner and, you know, again, all the others that 
play the game a little more semi-casually. Of course, they're competitive because they're good. Um, maybe, you know, again, the effort's not really put in because you don't have this esports infrastructure in place like you see maybe in a, in a Fortnite or a, a Counter-Strike or whatever, right? You know there's a league, you know there's a franchise, you know there's a season coming around the corner. Um, Warzone kind of has always had this weird space where the competitive space is like, it's kill races, dude. It's, it's just like, third-party tournaments. Yeah, it's, it's Activision saying, okay, yeah, sure. There's a million dollars, but the million dollars is going to be broken up like this. We're going to give you 100K. Go host your own tournament. Hey, you streamer, here's 50 grand. Go host a tournament, right? Like, they, they do it very um, nonchalantly, kind of spaced out. It's still the same marketing dollars, right? At the end of the day, all these companies are spending the same amount, but it's not the same... Uh, uh, you know, roadmap when you look to the future, okay, what is this game competitively going to look like? Is it going to be the best teams facing off against one another? So you don't have that same level of effort being put down. So, so yeah, congrats to Biffle and stuff, right? They, they absolutely deserve it. But I think if we were to know more of these were to come, we'd see a more competitive environment so we don't see that landslide for a first major Warzone event. The insider trading on that is that the CDL, the Professional COD League, which we know is very strict from their franchising rules, has, has made it really hard for Warzone to even get airtime. And so even scheduling of these Warzone events, what I've read is that they, have to, they cannot ever conflict with CDL, which is kind of sad to me. Why wouldn't you join forces? And I think there's an opportunity there. I think that coupled with the very lackluster launch of Warzone 2 really set them back. My hopes are that they'll be able to, to, to correct all that and really lay out a, a proper roadmap moving forward. Right. Well, the catch is that, you know, Warzone is, again, potentially dropping their next title coming up soon. So hopefully there's no delays there. We'll see what ends up happening with that. Uh, but talking one, about big BRs. One last ahead. thread. I have to just, I have, we have to shout this young guy out. Um, Sage, uh, AQ Sage um, was uh, in the solo YOLO. So they had a solo uh, version of it. Uh, the, in, in Warzone, when you get sent back to the Gulag, um, or when you, when you die, you get sent back to the Gulag for a 1v1. And so Omit Sage, who was on the winning team, was in the Gulag against a player named Skullface. Um, and he, uh, he, he threw the Gulag. He let Skullface win and dropped back in very late in the game. And um, he ended up winning the whole game. And so there is a little fun, it, it, you know, it's the things you like to see, the little narratives of like, the the uh the 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 texture and the storyline of like why did he do that and people are saying well it sold out this guy named Breadman and it's just really cool but I thought that I thought that that was really promising of things to come not only did they have a successful uh, teams portion but they, that that solos went very well so are you on saying yeah I hear that and I I, I, I think I of teaming I think of I teaming is that what I just heard I'm, I'm okay with it I just want to, I want to hear this back one more time yeah. so you're saying Skullface was like dude I'm out of the running here but this guy isn't go ahead get back in the game is that like what happened no it was he said oh, the I other already, way he's no no no. Skullface had just won the team portion and, oh. and, and said i have my money i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna uh or like, say i'm good sage said i won my money Skullface. right i'm gonna throw for you and he literally put his yeah. controller down in the gulag Skullface drops in and partially because he was dropping in he was able to land in a favorable zone and won that's crazy. That makes more sense because he's like, bro, we popped off on day one, team day, or, you know, section one. Like, we cashed out. I don't need to win this, you know, next 500 grand on the solo YOLO or the 100,000, whatever, for the win. Uh, but I want someone else to have that glory, that moment. And then it ended okay, up I kind of mess with that now. I kind of mess with that fire, now. Okay, man. okay. That's super cool, bro. That's like really yeah, helpful. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, nice that's cool. To do. 
That's sick, the, actually. The, the kid wins? Yeah, and I mean, pe crazy. people like Skullface too because a lot of players were playing very ratty in the solos. They were playing with Riot mm. Shields, which is very ratty. And Skullface was just running and gunning. And so... Um, he was the life, the life. He was the life. And so it's very, very interesting. I just, more than anything, I love seeing... Th these are the types of things, even though they're disagreements, because some people are saying it's teaming. These are the narratives that make people love gaming. And so it's just, it, I think it's a very, very successful um, event. My, my last question to you guys on your opinion on, on this is why London? You know, Apex was just in London and now World Series of Warzone. Is there a European advantage? Um, I, I may, maybe fan base? I, I don't know. Was there a lot of EU players there? I couldn't tell you. Like at the event. That could have been a I thing. Think it was split. I think I think costs are pretty similar. Maybe it just there's there's some data out there that shows like you know the uh, the European fan base is probably less likely less likely to travel to the Americas due to mm. cost. Um, whereas if the American, if you got it right, like I'd say the gaming culture of of gamers in America would would be probably the median home income to the upper wealthier class ish, right? So maybe they're more likely to travel to a place like London because they have the means to. And it's not let's not kid ourselves. EU, it's so easy to travel like anywhere yeah. within those spaces. Like you're a yep. train away, all these countries become accessible. So um I think it makes sense that major lands would be hosted in a place like London, which is uh the shortest travel for Americans to uh Europe as far as major um countries go and stuff like that. And then of course how easily accessible EU venues are for European citizens and folks alike so just off top real quick i always find that funny you people are always like oh my gosh it's two and a half hour drive across the country so far <laughs> i'm like bro people sometimes drive that for work like that is nothing like yeah it's just culture difference but i just find that funny uh, america sucks we don't even have 200 mile power trains yet just like you know some of the other asian cultures <laughs> out there, so our, our infrastructure here is terrible there is no surprise <laughs> uh you know we're we're society built on cars we're so inefficient uh but anyways let, uh, again talked about brs um john great hits there love to hear the story behind again rising players and success stories and, and moments happen but a uh, big game on the on the grid right now is called play off the grid yeah. um headlined and, and frontlined by some of the biggest creators in the space dr disrespect clicks and a couple others that were um again familiar with in the gaming space they have seemingly risen out of nowhere it's a 150 player battle royale pvp game with 60 hours worth of of uh story right uh, um campaign campaign driven content and their twitter went from basically zero to seventy-seven thousand followers off the backs of these mega creators on launch now i'm gonna give my first and honest opinion teardrop island looks looks pretty bad <laughs> i think the gameplay does not look very appealing i think the game style looks if, if it was a one to five five being realistic uh three being Fortnite, it's like a, a four four and a half it's like are you trying to be real or you're not it's it's not quite there for me but more importantly it's it's like the the, the main character in the trailer he looks weird like he looks deformed like if they coded him with ai like they gave it to ai bot and said make me a trailer it just it just didn't look like what i would expect of a of a what could be a tier one brand new br to shake up the, the infrastructure and the ecosystem and they signed the biggest creators to promote it and it just does not look like it's up to the par that's just me though uh, and i'm i'll sound like a professional hater right now because i am i just <laughs> i just did not like it very much no it's the same way that i personally 
felt about X Defiant, which it still do. I'm like, it just, what are, it just looks like a COD from 2016. And I, I just, I just, I just think sometimes we get so excited for new uh, that, that we don't, um, that we don't actually sometimes think about it. Uh, they, the, the other thing that's worrisome to me is if you go on their Twitter, I don't know if you guys notice this, but like, there's almost no gameplay. That's, that's troublesome to me. It's all like cinematics, which always to me freaks me out because I'm like, bro, if your game is so good, show the freaking game. Not all these like lore videos. Like what about the game? So Dr. Disrespect has some gameplay footage up on his, on his YouTube channel. Man, it looks clunky, bro. Like it, it, it looks, it looks a little clunky. Not gonna lie. Which I'm not sure if it's even an alpha yet, but it's very, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, first initial reactions after watching it before this recording is the first time I heard of it from John. Uh, basically everything you guys all said. It does look a little clunky. I, I don't really understand the like. like is it a B, it's a BR, but there's also a story mode. I, I don't know. I, I, I think I think I know what happened here. So I'm seeing that they're really leaning leaning into this cyberpunk, right? It, it was wait, what was the game called? Was it called literally Cyberpunk? That's what it was called. Yeah, yeah. There, the there was a game called Cyberpunk. The thing blew up. Y'all remember that? Millions upon millions of players. It it then failed because the performance was trash. And now they it's coming it. back. They drop an anime, right? Like they did all these things. It comes back. It pops off. This game is basing almost the game lore off of this cyberpunk BR. So I can see why and where they think they can truly hit this huge market. And I they mean, have, you know, the king of cyberpunk, right? Uh, Dr. Disrespect as their front man. But dude, Doc's been under fire lately. You know, he's involved in a lot of controversy. And, you know, the gameplay doesn't quite step up to it. I think, I think they should have went all in on cyberpunk if they wanted to get this market. Uh, because the fact is... They're kind of in the middle. It looks like military esque with yeah. cyber touches. Yeah, and their bio literally says cyberpunk free to play battle royale coming to all platforms. Yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense now. Now that I'm looking at it a little bit more, um, it, it doesn't make me like it anymore. I think, <laughs> I think they could have had something yeah. really cool if they went all in on it, the theme, but they're like, to me, they're like right in the middle, man. And like you said, there's not enough gameplay to really feel it out. But who knows, man? This could potentially pop off in that very niche market. Yeah, very smart, very smart marketing strategy, getting clicks, very known um, in Fortnite. Doc, who's who's known in PUBG and Call of Duty, and then Imperial Hal, who they could not have picked a better Index. time to sign with yep. him because he just popped off and it's kind of like the the the, uh, the lover boy of, of Apex Legends after, after London. However, this influencer marketing, um, to me, and I think to a lot of serious <laughs> gamers, makes me actually more more nervous, not more confident because I'm like, again, if the prog product is good enough, lead with that. And so, um, I'm very, even like docs, like tweets are very much like this game is going to be the newest, uh, BR and it's going to be great. And it has a 60 hour. Like if you were genuinely excited about the story, you wouldn't talk about the 60 hour narrative campaign. You would have been like, bro, there's a storyline and it's dope. And the lore fits into the thing. So we will see, I don't even know a release date. But off, off the grid um, is, is going to come on the grid eventually. So we'll stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, just talking about, again, just to hit on those numbers again, like Twitter, 77,000 followers, right? And, and what seems to be no time. Um, and then their TikTok only has 4,000 followers. If, you're, if your stuff's not hitting on TikTok, I'm sorry to say it, like 
you're not really getting the masses, right? Like TikTok, we all know, seems to be like the inflated number place. So I feel like their numbers should be bigger there. And, yeah, TikTok and I, is king. I'm not seeing it. Oh I'm no, dude, it. this is this guys. This is this could be really bad. I'm on their website. And they're not just saying this is a battle royale. They're saying this is a next gen battle royale. I'm like, oh, we have crypto, crypto. I'm like, we haven't even like really, <laughs> we haven't even really like nailed battle royale. It's a new genre, and y'all are trying to. So that they're 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 developer Gunzilla Games. I I don't know what they've made, but they say in uh, they say we pushed the boundaries. We blended in new tech, and this is what makes me so worried. We even knocked on some doors in Hollywood, as if like a couple actors in a freaking game is gonna make people play it. No, bro. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, like, like, yeah, yeah. all right. There, let's keep. There's something not oh, right no, here. I, and it's I coming out this, this year. It's coming out this no, no, year. No, they no, said. No. No. I'm done. I'm done bashing on it. No, I'm done bashing on it because I want to bash on Unity. Yeah, let's yeah. go bash on something else now. Yeah, no, let's no, go no, bash on something else. Seriously, play off the grid. You, you guys don't deserve it. We're giving you a hard time uh, because we we want to see the best for the space, especially BRs, man. We love BRs. Um, so so best of luck to you guys as I you continue to. Uh, push through we all hope we're wrong here but uh what, one thing we're not wrong about is unity gaming uh or sorry the unity client i don't even know what to call this thing the unity engine if there you, you will um it's freaking terrible their 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 leading team is horrendous and what they're doing right now is is absolutely extremely scummy and um i hope their company bur uh, burns and i don't usually hope that for for many others but they've basically put the jeopardy uh, or maybe not Put, put these lives at jeopardy but they put the livelihood i would say at jeopardy of their their biggest developers their biggest publishers their their partners that have built on this game client because of their greed john take yeah. us through some of the new engine fees or, or maybe connor if you want to if you want to hit on this really quickly because yep. um connor obviously what they've changed with the with the development of their their recent engine is go, is gonna it's gonna cripple the gaming system yeah, so they came out with this new policy that they were planning to introduce. And if you are, so there's different tiers of the Unity engine. If you're a free member and you make a game, you publish it. If you make 200, over $200,000 or more in 12 months, you owe Unity 20 cents for every download. So 20 cents for every download of your game, and you make over $200,000, you have to give that to Unity. And if you pay for their like upper echelon or whatever, and you make over a million dollars, you have to pay 10 cents per download for a game. So the outrage for all this is this was not introduced before. And now they're just coming out and all the games that are, that are already made. They're like, yeah, you got to pay us now. And this is, a, this is a free to download and utilize engine called Unity Engine. And like Connor is talking about, they have literally in 24 hours decided that they're going to introduce these these scalping <laughs> fees against all of their publishers and there are there are games under this unity engine there are games developed by unity engine that are triple a titles yeah here let me name a few because i pulled it up so you got cuphead which was a huge single player game when it came out fall guys devs, by the way fall indie guys indie devs, among but... us pokemon go city skylines uh hearthstone and then you also have me and john's game rust and the owner of Rust was not happy. We'll talk about that in a bit, but it's not crazy. He had a whole uh, whole post to talk about it, basically saying Unity needs to burn. But um, yes, publishers are absolutely angry. There are folks that that built their entire successes on titles that just so happen to hit big. Uh, this is the equivalent if Fortnite's Unreal Engine turned to Switch, turned to flip the script all of a sudden to then 
try to monetize off their creators in such an aggressive way where like your past successes we we're basically demanding mm-hmm. a cost on top of that like that's crazy to ask for um and also the the biggest problem that i have with this and the reason why i'm pretty upset is that there are known exploits where if someone wanted to basically topple an entire publisher's uh uh entire you know the, the whole house of cards if you will because now we're what we're looking at is your your game is built on a house of cards now i'll explain why it's because if someone was to uninstall the game and then re-download it, that counts as a fresh download in the eyes of the new Unity client, uh, TOS. But more importantly, the most important question was asked is, what if someone maliciously created an IP spoofer slash uh, a device that essentially automatically uninstalled and reinstalled this game, uh, you know, back to back across different IPs? What would happen? And Unity comes out and Forfright says, yeah, there's nothing we can do about that. You'd be liable for it. Huh? Yeah, like, that was the big thing because everyone real. was like, already yeah, already yeah they were like, how can like you that. track this? And Unity was like, and the basically, just trust us. We tr- we're tracking them with our own stuff. Just trust us. You don't have to see it. Just trust us. We know the downloads. But then they come out and say that, too. It was just... Well, it's a huge, it it feels like a huge step backwards, even thinking of the ongoing legal battle between Epic Games and Apple, where Epic is pulled their platform famously, uh, gosh, almost over two years ago now, right? Uh, Because Apple would refuse to uh, lower essentially their same rates of, you know, it's like what? It's like 30 plus percent that Apple gets anything that you make on the App Store. And I think there's a lot of people in the gaming community that are just like, man, that just does not feel like fair trade. And again, Apple, you know, it's kind of like the Twitch revenue share. There, there's there's all these themes in gaming that that people are 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 these kind of legacy companies are almost taking people by the balls and saying we're gonna just take this money instead of really helping yeah. them continue to build. The the gotcha moment for Unity is that there are games that are saying that's fine. It's 2023. We'll just rebuild our game on a different platform. Great. Games like Rust, which are one of the largest games on uh, on the community and consistently in the top 10 stream games on Twitch have already announced plans uh, to rebuild their game and are using this opportunity to launch Rust 2. And I think if you see the the conversations around this, Unity is is in big trouble. Yeah, yeah I want to... The problem too, just real quick, Connor, is that mm-hmm. it's not like they, they're like, yo, here's, here's V2 of Unity Engine, like new features, this is it, here's why we need to charge you guys, right? No, it's like, uh, yeah, that thing that we already built that you kind of, you know, got used to and you had all the success off. We we want to charge you guys for that. And they're doing it in such an aggressive way, like in perpetuity for downloads, downloads that you can that, that can get uh, abused. Essentially, it's terrible and they know it. Yeah, I just wanted to read this quote here from Gary, because I think this is probably what most developers are feeling like. Uh, this is the end of his little monologue of all this. It's our fault, all our faults. We sleepwalk into it. We had a ton of warnings. Uh, we should have we should have been developing our own engine and pressing the eject button when Unity IPO'd in 2020. Everything they've done since that has been the exact opposite of what's good for the engine. We had 10 years to make our own engine and never did, and I'm sure many other companies are feeling the same way today. Let's not make that same mistake again. Rust 2 will definitely not be on Unity. I mean, that's how I felt when uh, Bayham sold their client to Pokemon Go Niantic, and then we lost our Scrim client. I felt the same way. I was like, yeah, you know, we kind of saw the warnings there. Probably should have diversified a little bit or figured out a strategy. Um, 
I mean, it's it's a tough lesson to learn in business, I guess. Tough you know. lesson to learn. Freaking screw unity. They're doing anything but unify. And um, I, it's hard to walk back these things because if whatever they walk back, and they have walked back some, and they're basically claiming, oh, and this is always so bad. You hate to hear it from a big company that you're supposed to trust with your IP, with your jobs. Oh, sorry, we didn't fully flesh out our comms plan on that one. Let us re-explain. You're like, wait, so this really big rollout that you supposedly have thought through all the angles and we're supposed to trust you on, you just forgot to leave out details in the press release? No way, Jose. So it's just whatever they roll back now, you either, they're either ignorant. They already showed their true colors. Yeah, like, they're either there is no rolling back. liars, and neither <laughs> one are good. And it's just like, man, I don't, I don't think you recover from this. Yeah, Twitch, we know you want 25% of all ad revenue. Don't try to hide it from us. That's, that's the equivalent. Always got to give a Twitch diss in this podcast. Dude, I can't <laughs> believe they did that. And luckily, they reverted. Unity does not seem to be reverting. Um, they are standing on the nails that they have placed in their very own coffin at this point. So I hope that uh, you know developers like you know um, Rust can put in the effort and turn something around in soon enough time. Uh, before the podcast started, I said I wouldn't be surprised if some of these companies, especially like dev teams like Rust, decide, hey, you know what? Let's shut down for three months, come out with Rust 2.0 on whatever said date, and then build up all their functionality within six months and then have something functioning. But it's it's really not that easy, right? We're talking about migrating to a fully new Unreal Engine potentially, or of course, starting something from scratch, which is probably the more... Uh, difficult of the two to even try to attempt but i mean rust and them made a lot of money when they went and poured it on over to playstation and stuff so i hope they saved rebuild rust funds. on fortnite creative <laughs> <Unreal> <laughs> i mean fortnite there's already engine. among us in fortnite right and then only up and uh, all the other games you can think of yeah. so uh we we know it's possible at that point well this is a fun episode uh talked a lot of smack today about i think everyone other than shout Come out on. to Carmine Corp, Optic Gaming, and Warzone have W. Okay, we'll give it to yep. them. Uh, <laughs> every other topic we mentioned today definitely had, uh, I think, a lot of bold statements to make on. But hey, man, this is the this is the this is the weekly news, man. There's a lot going on this time around. So yeah, and shout hope, out to hope y'all enjoyed it. Shout out to the founders of Carmine, Kamito, Kotai, and Prime. Uh, mad love to those guys, uh, the three original creators getting off the ground. So go show love to them on social media. Tell them Prax sent you. We'll help Absolutely. you guys with the events in the arena, okay? You need a good, you need a good Yeah, let us know. Let us know. There you go. We're here to support. But uh, hey, guys, don't forget to send all your complaints to me at the Fortnite Podcast at gmail.com or at MonsterDFace on socials. Connor, let the people know at home where they can find you throughout the week. You can find me on x.com uh, at Connor Rio. Uh, yeah. Man said X. He's part of the sixty-one uh, percent, according to whatever <laughs> crazy poll I saw out there. <laughs> John, yeah, we're gonna be find you. You can find me on Twitter at John W. <laughs> Rush. Uh, holler at us. Make sure to interact with us uh, at Practice Server. And um, if you, stay tuned for the uh, content and chaos coming through the pipeline. We talked about it last episode. Monster Connor uh, and Prax uh, timeline is full of it, literally. And make sure to let us know some guests uh, that you'd like to see. If you're a friend of the program, you're in the esports space professionally, our content creation, uh, hit us up. We'd love to. We'd love to host you uh, and get your perspective. That's right, fam. Well, as always, you can find me at Monster D Face. Check out the socials. Check out the content. And until next time, don't forget, practice makes perfect. <laughs>